Raptors Reasonless is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know the Raptors and NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Uh, the best part about using the app is how easy it is. It's a quick two-tap checkout. Once you're all set up in your phone, it's extremely easy. Uh, you can get your tickets walking up to the gate. So head to the App Store or the Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast, a very spooky Halloween edition. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, looking extra spooky himself, Eric Kareen. Eric, what's going on, buddy? Um, Just getting over one of the more memorable nights in, in sports in recent history. That was... Uh, yeah, and that lo- starts and ends with Raptors-Pistons, obviously. Yes, yes. I mean, who will forget the fifth game of the year against a Blake Griffinless Detroit Pistons uh, on a Wednesday night? That Not was- only Blake Griffinless, Reggie Jacksonless, Baby Siakamless. Unbelievably tough game for the Detroit Pistons. The other stuff you're talking about included uh, a brawl of sorts in the Timberwolves 76ers game between Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Carl Anthony Towns and Jeff Teague. Uh, it included quite the social media battle after. It included TFC punching their ticket for their third finals in the last four years. Um, people were not happy with me for pointing uh, for making jokes <laughs> about the Leafs being the only MLSE organization that's not a championship one now. Um, sorry, guys. And uh, the Washington Nationals won the World Series while we celebrated the unreasonablest Ryan Wolstadt's birthday at a Firkin near the arena. Yeah. What a day. He, he remains 59 years behind Paul, who turned 100 yesterday. Can I just, I don't want to put, I don't want to put Waz on blast, but he you said. Know, I mean, you sort of do. Yeah, I do. He, so last night, the Raptors honored Paul at the game. Paul is a Raptors fan who was celebrating his 100th birthday. Side note, Paul, come on the podcast, man. <laughs> love to love to have well, you. Producer Tyler, we've we've talked about potential guests. Let's get Paul and his 100th birthday celebration on the pod. Yeah, like I'm going to probably be out for two weeks or at least one week. I, Thank I don't, God. I don't see why Paul can't... Uh, can't fit in and anytime you can get like a one named you know megastar you do it Cher, madonna paul paul uh, anyway <laughs> whilst that was joking about how old he is and he said in 20 years he'll catch up to paul and he'll be 102 <laughs> it's like no that means you would be 18 years behind not 20 years <laughs> why would you catch up at all anyway this is why we call him the unreasonableist um, to pull the to pull the curtain back a little bit to break the fourth wall, when we came up with the idea for this podcast a few years ago, we had actually kicked around the idea of Brian Wolstead of the Sun uh, occasionally making appearances in character as the unreasonableist. Uh, obviously, that has not happened. By the way, that reminds me, uh, this podcast has existed for a few years. It existed yes. as kind of mine and Eric's own thing while I was just freelancing with the Athletic. It then moved over to the Athletic. Obviously, it went on to the app. Um, as you hopefully have caught wind of by now, uh, we've repeated on here a few times and pushed on social. Uh, this podcast is back available on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, with that, 
we would like to remind you to please uh, like, subscribe, rate, all that stuff. By the way, sorry, this is going to be an aside within an aside. A tangent to a tangent. When podcast hosts say, I've been trying to listen to more podcasts because I want to make this one better and I want to make my new one good. And I don't know. I'm just, everyone loves so many podcasts and we have yeah, so many I, great ones at The Athletic. It's been, uh, it's been such to- enough. It's been such an effort for you too. I, I, I don't I love like podcasts. In, I'd just rather have music on. No, I know. And that's why you've uh, started your new music themed podcast. Not themed. Yeah. Music uh, focused podcast. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Columbia House Party, check us out. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, what I was going to say is that when hosts say, like, rate, uh, rate subscribe, what's the other one? Rate oh, and like, review. rate, subscribe. It, like, it's all one word in my head now, like how kids sing LMNOP in the alphabet, like it's all one word. Like, rate, yeah. subscribe is just all one thing. Anyway, if you could please do that, uh, because when we had the initial version of this podcast, we would record in the bowels of the Scotiabank Arena a lot. We would record at a echoey practice facility. Uh, we also, you know, weren't maybe doing the best job of it. So some of our ratings from like back in 2016, 2017 are reasonably uh, not great. So, you know, <laughs> rate and subscribe to those things. So we don't look like such J-Brones on, uh, did, on iTunes. Did you know they're starting to teach a way of singing the anthem or the anthem? the anthem of the English language, the alphabet, <laughs> um, that uh, gets rid of LMNOP. Like, it, it just, yeah, like, it changes sucks. the cadence. The where new alphabet I... does not slap. Where did I see that? Do you, does I don't know. know. It was on Twitter is where I saw it, which okay. is where I see everything. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's, anyway it's, it's, it's very sucks. strange. Covers are Covers can be done well. That cover of the alphabet not doing it for me. Yeah. Um, how much, I, I mean, how much do we think that the Instagram shenanigans and Twitter shenanigans of Embiid and, and Towns are going to add uh, to uh, those footsteps you hear are Walters, of course, um, are going to add to those suspensions? I think like it has to be a, a somewhat significant amount. Yeah, like it would be one thing if if they just posted and they were like half jokey about it or whatever, but the like serious, like hashtag, I ain't no bitch in the comments, calling each other that word, um, bringing some personal relationship stuff into it. I can't imagine the league's going to be super happy with this, especially since Joel Embiid just got through a preseason of telling, I think he was on the Zach, the, on yeah. the low post, yeah, wherever he was on, he said he wasn't going to trash talk anymore. And now he he's shadow boxing and, <laughs> Maybe Posting trash talking no didn't bitch. lead to it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, speaking of I ain't no bitch, the best part of the entire thing for me, other than obviously getting off wrestling jokes, Mike, the video of Mike Scott watching the replay on the Jumbotron and having the time of his life watching this replay was amazing. I, Everyone on the Timberwolves should be thankful Mike Scott didn't get in that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing that everybody basically stayed on the sideline that was supposed to stay on the sideline. Like, great yeah. job, assistant coaches, I guess. <laughs> like, uh, that's, Eric, that's... one... Sorry, go on, go on. This is No, no, I was to... just going to... I'm, I'm going to try to refocus us back on the Raptors here Ugh. momentarily. Uh, before we do that, is Walter in costume? You mentioned he was walking around. Oh, he, he's not in costume. We do have, like, a lion uh, sort of towel that he sometimes wears into the bath. 
uh, so we could always put that on him. Um, or maybe I'll just put my uh, cane costume onto him somehow, and he will uh, become the mayor of Knoxville, Walter. Um, but not currently. But the the day is still young. Ish. I guess. I mean, I, I don't feel like you're going to do an impromptu last minute costume. That doesn't seem like you or like Walter. Um, yeah, it, it's probably unlikely. I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, mislead anybody here, but, uh, we have some options around the house. So uh, I think we will be handing out candy if any kids still do that. Um, so maybe we will. And, you know, he's going to go crazy every time the door Somebody knocks on the door. That's just what he does. You know what so. we're handing out here, Eric? Uh, reasonable takes. F- that and 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic if you go to theathletic.com slash we the six. What a treat. <laughs> yeah. No trick. No trick. Only treats. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the trick here might be that we're like eight minutes in and haven't talked about the Raptors yet. But yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Nobody wants to hear about trick, Raptors right? Pistons, do they? I think people want to hear about Raptors Pistons. Okay, fine. Let's. Yes. Uh, can can we make official predictions for the suspension? Though, do you have any uh, predictions? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say. Let's see. Six for Embiid. Five for Towns. Three for Simmons, and maybe one for Teague. But Simmons was a peacemaker. No, he wasn't. The NBA came out today and said he wasn't. Oh, okay. Um, I know that Minnesota, I, I just saw Woj's last tweet saying they were pushing back on the notion of him being a peacemaker, citing a dangerous chokehold. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Uh, Why couldn't Raptors Pistons be like this? Um, Serge had nobody to fight. Markeith Morris is on that team. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um yeah, OG and Markeith Morris, uh, they could have uh, had the second installment of their feud. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Which, anyway, uh, Markeith Morris pushed OG out of Adobe, and OG's like, why? Why is yeah. this happening? Yeah, not sure. Not sure I'd mess with... Uh, OG, like, we talked about this last night at the arena, where, like, Ben Simmons, the fact that he's always in this stuff, but, like, he doesn't talk makes him almost like a little a little more intimidating because mm-hmm. like it like a trash talker i think you just know what's going on it's all on the surface but someone who thinks they're tough and is willing to fight but doesn't say anything like ben simmons uh is a little more worrisome and then i think a guy like og who doesn't seem like he wants to fight but seems like he would have absolutely no issue if you tried to fight him yeah. is uh maybe the most terrifying type nowhere else he's been terrifying like on the defensive end. Yeah. He made Luke Kennard look like Dan Reynolds last night. He looked like... Kennard looked like a flailing duck out there. Kennard flailing reference. Duck, yeah. Lou Kennard. Uh, one for six. Minus 25. At least he had Oof. seven dimes. He basically like played... Because Tim Frazier is not good as much as it pains me to say that about a <laughs> former G League MVP. Um... Yeah, Kennard basically like ran as their point guard. Um, obviously, Derrick Rose came off the bench. He had 16 points and 10 dimes in 21 minutes. But Kennard, uh, Kennard carried the the heavy playmaking load for the starting unit, which was interesting to see. And it's probably something he needs to do 
to carve out like a, a starting role in the NBA is be able to show some of that playmaking stuff. Uh, the one of six shooting though, and getting and not close, looking completely as, uh, afraid of OG by the third quarter, as he should be. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't, so I don't o- encourage that for NBA players in general. Like, but uh, like OG Ananobi has done enough on that end so far this year, and you know, in his first season too, that uh, you can understand the reaction. By the way, we did not talk about the Orlando Magic game. I'm not sure it requires its whole entire segment of its own. Uh, The Raptors beat them. They looked better. The defense looked awesome. And a lot of the same talking points came up that we're going to talk about as we talk about the Pistons game, which the Raptors won 125-113 to move to 4-1. Before we talk about some of the other uh, talking points, because within a 4-1 start and within that strong performance against the Pistons... Uh, are some concerns. The Toronto Raptors are tied for 10th in the league in offense so far, which is fine. I think that's, you know, we came into the season thinking if they could be a top five defense and an average to, you know, 10 to 12 offense, they'd be in pretty good shape. Them starting the season out tied for 10th while not looking particularly sharp on that end is, I think, encouraging. The Toronto Raptors are the league's number six defense so far. And I think while some of the teams ahead of them can be expected to come back down to earth, I think the Raptors are probably going to hang around as something like a top five defense. Maybe not as good as Utah and the Sixers. Those teams already look like well ahead of the field, and that backs up what they look like on paper. Uh, the Magic have also been really good. So if you're looking at the Raptors' offensive numbers, uh, keep in mind that the Orlando Magic and Boston Celtics are both good defenses. Uh, and then the Raptors are fifth in net rating, one spot behind somehow the Phoenix Suns. All of that is to say it has been a pretty good start for the Toronto Raptors. They are a few careless turnovers and lapses on their own glass from being 5-0. and I can't shake the feeling, though, that... Look, the season doesn't start until I get worried about Kyle Lowry's minutes. I'm not all the way there yet, but I'm kind of getting worried about how much they're running Lowry and, to a lesser extent, Fred VanVleet. Um, and basically just how they're relying on seven guys already so early in the season. Yeah, uh, I mean, I asked about it post-game, and Nick Nurse said he wasn't happy with where the minutes are yet. Uh, he's the guy in control of changing those minutes, so uh, what this amounts to is him having a bit of a war with himself, is like he knows it's not... Relatable. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. uh he knows it's not a i mean who knows if it's sustainable it's probably not but he knows it's not the smart course of action and yet you get into every game and you trust who you trust and it's really hard to move away from that i think he's gonna have to i think he knows i mean he clearly knows he has to a little bit you know he's what's lowry averaging right now he's uh 39 uh, yeah that's uh a bit too high (laughs) um uh, so it's going to come down. They're in a quieter stretch right now. Like, especially, you know, they had game on Monday, Wednesday, and then Saturday and the following Wednesday. So if you're going to, uh, be relying on players to this extent, uh, this is sort of the time to do it. But yeah, one game you know, in six days is you've got a nasty West Coast trip coming up starting next week. And by that point, uh, I think there's only one back to back. But 
it's still a lot and you've got to find ways to and it doesn't involve travel either that back to back but look you can't play seven and a half men for 82 games uh for a bunch of reasons uh and even taking out the the minutes load injuries happen and then you need your guys to be ready so if they can have small roles regularly as opposed to not playing at all and then be shoved into 15 to 20 minutes a game, uh, that would be ideal. Um, It is a concern. I mean, I think it's a legitimate concern that Kyle Lowry is playing 39 minutes a game. Van Vliet's up over 37. Uh, I don't think there's, there's nobody else really to be worried about at this point. OG's at 35 and I think that's good for him. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot, and it's a lot for two very strong but undersized players who are taking a beating on both ends of the floor. Uh, like they're those are not easy minutes. As much as one takes the pressure off the other in terms of ball handling and you know usage and and all of that, they take a lot of spills driving both of them, and you know they're as unwise as it is, they're backed down and, you know, are trying to guard bigger players than them on a nightly basis. Yeah, it's tough. I think it's concerning for a few reasons. Obviously, the the straight-up workload concerns, which you, you kind of just highlighted, um, you know, I think you, you mentioned this uh, a little bit, not trusting any of the depth guys, and then if something happens later, having to throw them into larger roles, I don't know if that's the best way to maintain effective depth. Obviously, there's a little bit of a catch-22 here where if you play the depth and they're not good, then you might not win games as handily or or you might not win as many games. And then later, you know, it shifts the load around if suddenly the Raptors are winning this game by four instead of by 15. Uh, Although Lowry played almost until the very end anyway, just to get me those, you know, Lowry and bench minutes sample. (laughs) Um, But I think there are more opportunities to work the depth in. And it's something that I wrote about today at theathletic.com slash Raptors or theathletic.com slash Toronto. Uh, I don't remember my specific author code, but also that. Um, you can just Google Blake Murphy, The Athletic, <laughs> if you just don't want to read my content, which, you know. Yeah, that's that's the page I have bookmarked, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think there are a few different ways to, to manage around this. And I think, obviously, had you told us uh, before the season, that five games in, the Raptors would basically have run an eight-man rotation with one game where Matt Thomas played a bunch and it was kind of a blowout. Uh, we would have not been thrilled about that. And you can... Look, staggering a rotation, building a rotation, if you're going to use nine or ten guys and you're not going to trust bench-heavy units, is a little complex. It's part of why when we discuss potential starting lineups, I know that Fred Van Vliet is a significantly better player than Norman Powell, but I thought there was an opportunity for Powell to get more starts because the rotation just lines up a little better with a guy of Van Vliet's caliber, particularly at the point guard position where the Raptors don't have a lot of depth um, coming off the bench. I just thought that things would line up a little bit better that way. I still think that that's the case rotation-wise, but you can stagger those guys a little bit better. You don't need the 76 minutes from two-point guards that you've been averaging so far, especially because if you look down the depth chart, well, if you're talking about the eight guys that Nurse trusts, Norman Powell and Patrick McCarr are both in that mix. If you're talking about maybe... <laughs> talking about a cap 22, uh, yeah, Patrick McCarr. If you're talking about maybe the 11 guys he's willing to use... Matt Thomas and Terrence Davis are also in that mix. So you have four shooting guards 
who you can work in in some way. And even if they're imperfect, you know, that you don't need 76 minutes from your point guards. I actually, I think, weirdly enough, Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Stanley Johnson not playing, and in Johnson's case, not being good when he has played, I think those are the absences that frustrate people the most but I think those are the ones that are like kind of fine Gasol and Ibaka have split the center minutes down the middle Siakam and OG can both handle a big load and then you play a few minutes small here and there or a few minutes gigantic here and there they haven't really needed the power forward depth as much it's really that they have guard depth sitting there and they've decided not to use it um, either because they don't want to rely on Lowry and Van Vliet less or they don't want to go small with a guard at the three all that often unless it's Norman Powell um, in terms of crafting these bench units, I would like to see a little bit more of the Lowry and bench that we've gotten quick looks at with Chris Boucher out there. I don't think McCaw and Powell as a wing duo is going to be a problem for the bench, which is another, you know, we run into this sometimes where, well, you don't want to start Powell because he's worse than Van Bleed and the fits work better that way. Um, but that's, you know, McCaw's played 39 of his 40 minutes this season with Powell, and that's not on paper, a very uh, great wing pairing. Um, anyway, I lost the thread of where I was going with that. I'm they have they have the, the, they have depth. They're not using it. Um, yes, and it's not. It's maybe not phenomenal depth, but Paul yeah. Jefferson played like 20 minutes a game on a playoff team last year. Like you could yeah. probably try him out. Yeah, and Terrence and they Davis will. looked good in a couple games. And they will. Like I think they're going to get there. Uh, I don't. You know, I'm not entirely comfortable with how they've started um, in terms of getting there, but uh, I think they they ha- they're going to get there, and it's just you want it to be by choice and not necessity, uh, because that would be a problem. You you don't want them to be forced into playing guys who just don't have any sort of flow going. That I mean, it can work out, but it rarely works out. Yeah, and like let's let's say let's I don't want to be negative and assume the worst, but since it's Halloween, let's get ghoulish here for a second. Say Lowry, you know, Lowry fell awkwardly on his right hand last night. Say that had turned into something, and suddenly you're playing against Milwaukee on Saturday with 40 minutes of Fred Van Vliet, eight minutes uncovered at the point guard position, and then another 28 minutes on average at shooting guard that you've been getting from those two guys. Like that's so overworking two guys like that not only you know ri- risks those guys but like suddenly you have this huge gap to fill at a position at your weakest position if something happens to one of them and I don't think both of those guys are going to play 82 games I think it would probably behoove you to start getting some behoove. other guards some reps uh saying that starting lineup has a plus 22 not rating a small sample size getting less small by the game 83 minutes that's huge yeah. um so you understand why he's loath to go away from that, and it's not even that he necessarily has to go away from that. But as you mentioned, it does become more difficult to moderate the minutes when both guys are starting, and then to factor in proper rest and make sure somebody's not playing like the Patrick Patterson last 18 minutes of the half. Um, huh. uh, it's difficult, and that's you know part of why where we where we are where we are I you know I am a fan of just playing your best players together except if there's like a huge positional reason not to um so I'm not even suggesting a a lineup change here but 
that will just necessitate Nick Nurse having to be more creative with substitution patterns. For sure. Um, we talked about, you mentioned the success of the starting lineup. I think it's worth mentioning just because, you know, it's something that's been in my mentions a fair amount or in the comment section a fair amount through a couple games. Um, Marcus All has not looked awesome. He ran into foul trouble on Wednesday. I thought he's been pretty good defensively overall, but this was maybe not the best example of that. Uh, still cooking with a plus 19.6 net rating, though, through five games. Small that sample. He's playing with the starters, etc. But he's first on the team in that regard. Uh, Andre Drummond, though, had his way with, uh, you know, in the way that Andre Drummond in 2019-2020 does, uh, putting up a 2020 in a double-digit loss. I think there's going to be a lot of that in his future for the Pistons. Well, he's uh, he a was free good. agent he, after he, this year, I believe. Yeah, I said 2019-2020. That's this okay. year. Okay. Yeah. So who knows how long that future extends. Um, um, uh, by the way, anyway. we, we mentioned, while we're mentioning the depth problems, worth saying that uh, Serge Baca has been really good and Norman Powell looked good on Wednesday for the first time this season. That was promising. He'd been, uh, Powell had, had a rough start. Um, but yeah, Gasol, look, the offense has looked rusty. Um, he still looks too hesitant at times. Uh, and I'm just not really that concerned. That's where my level of this is. Like I, I saw what the playoffs looked like. And and if you remember, they were, they were uneven, uh, for Gasol. Like he had a pretty rough start to that Milwaukee series and ended up playing a pretty big part, uh, for the rest of the playoffs. Uh, he was huge defensively and, all of those series, and you know, he had a really nice game defensively against Nikola Vucevic, who has to see him two more times in November, um, which isn't ideal. Uh, they 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 had talked about load managing Gasol at the beginning of training camp, so I am curious uh, if that still is uh, is going to get there. Uh, if we're going to see any of that. Um, again, the Raptor schedule hasn't been that taxing early on. Uh, so maybe it's when you get deeper into the season that you see some of that, uh, yet another reason why maybe you want to get Chris Boucher or even Rondé Hollis Jefferson, um, some minutes, but yeah, he's like, he's a 34 year old center turning 35 in January, I believe. And he's just not as comfortable offensively as he used to be. He's, they haven't you know what they talked a lot about raising his usage and it's at uh sturdy 12.7 so <laughs> that hasn't that hasn't happened um and you you just wonder if it's a player still trying to figure out his way to what's still a relatively new team for him and you know obviously a new team for everybody while you're trying to find 30 percent uh to replace Kawhi Leonard although that has been replaced, and then some, by Pascal Siakam. Yeah, let's talk about how you... Do you have any, before we move on, do you have any thoughts on Gasol? Nope, you've pretty much covered it up. I think he's going to be fine, more or less, but I think he's going to hit his ceiling far less frequently, because that's what guys do as they age, and your IQ and playmaking can only um, can only do so much. The one I thing I would say is... I find people... myself hitting my ceiling very frequently now. More, more than I used to. It's terrible. Uh, a few people asked about potentially starting Ibaka instead of Gasol. I don't think it makes sense. I think the bench unit, as currently constructed, needs 
someone like Ibaka who's willing to absorb possessions and take shots. Oh, I is think he? Gasol's... Pardon? He's very willing to take shots. He's he's at. Yeah. And then uh, I think Gasol's playmaking. He's second in usage percentage right now on the Raptors. We're going to talk about Stanley usage Johnson. percentage in a second, All which right. I just said, okay. Eric. Sorry. You asked me a question, you're talking over me. Jake Goldsby would never do this as my co host. <laughs> Yeah, but where can where can you find that podcast? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to get in too much trouble. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, yes, yeah, Serge Ibaka's usage is necessary with a lot of those bench units. And then Marc Gasol's playmaking and IQ at this point, really, they're going to play up with better players. And because the bench unit, at least as currently constructed, doesn't have much shooting uh, and Powell's really the only savvy cutter around him. I don't really think that that would be the best usage of Gasol at this point. And, you know, you drop Ibaka in the starting lineup and suddenly his usage drops and, and Ibaka doesn't look as good or as comfortable. I don't see a need. Also, the starting lineup has been incredibly effective. I don't see a need to change there. Uh, you mentioned Gasol's low usage. We are going to talk about high usage. Heavy league pass night and you don't want to cook and you don't want to go out. Stay in. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in the city. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code RAPTORS. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code RAPTORS. Don't forget, that's promo code RAPTORS for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. So let's talk high usage. Pascal Siakam is off to what I would call a pretty good start to the season. Through five games... Uh, in just 34 minutes, because he keeps getting into foul trouble, he is averaging 28 points with a 51-44-96 shooting line. That's right. Pascal Siakam, his usage <laughs> has expanded, his role has expanded, and your boy is in the 50-40-90 club right now. Also averaging 9.2 rebounds, 3.8 assists. Uh, not much in the steal or blocks category. As Nick Nurse pointed out last night, he's getting some help from his buddy OG on the defensive end as his offensive usage uh, spikes. It's been pretty interesting to see Pascal Siakam basically make me look like an asshole for saying, well, if his usage, first of all, his usage can't go up to Kawhi levels, that's way too big a jump. And if it does, you can expect some efficiency decline. Well, his usage is up past Kawhi Leonard 2018-19 levels, and his efficiency hasn't suffered at all. He's using 32.6% of the Raptors' offensive possessions when he's on the floor. He's a 62.6 true shooting percentage. That is an elite level of usage and efficiency. Obviously, we're talking a five-game sample here, but pretty much everything except the turnover rate is looking good for Siakam right now. He's offensive rebounding well. Uh, his assist rate has taken a big jump. His turnover rate is up, but not not a crazy amount. This is, you know, there have been some bumps. There have been some qualitative things Siakam maybe hasn't done um, super well yet. But in terms of, hey, here are the keys to the offense. Play the Kawhi, the, the Kawhi DeMar role. Uh, pretty good start, Eric. Yeah, I mean, if he finishes in the 50-40-90 club, we're just going to have to call him the Cameroonian uh, Durant and and move on with it, I guess. Uh, yeah, like, I, I've pointed out the quibbles, and I've written about, about him a few times now this uh, season. He's obviously the most fascinating part of this season, I, I think, to certainly to the broader audience and, and uh, even to you know, hardcore Raptors fans would acknowledge how important Pascal Siakam stepping into this role 
uh, as smoothly as possible is for the long-term viability of this franchise. And yeah, like he's, there are situations where he's handling the ball on the outside and navigating pick and rolls as a ball handler. And he's, you know, forcing, he's taken one dribble too many or one dribble too few or not seeing everything. I thought the game against Detroit uh, was a great step forward in terms of his vision. He made one particularly nice, like, I mean, it's not a play that you remember. I highlighted in my story. I mean, you'll probably remember it, but um, Markeith Morris was on, was on Siakam as he sort of took a bit of a running start and backed him down. And Andre Drummond, instead of chasing, uh, Serge Ibaka out to the foul line, stayed under the net to either grab a rebound or contest a Siakam shot. And Siakam just gave a little pass to two-handed pass to Ibaka, who had an easy nine-foot push shot. And, you know, it's not the most complicated read in the world, but that's where this starts for him. It starts from him identifying those situations uh, and identifying the situations where the help can't you know, affect his shot in time, and he re- and he can go one on one, which he's obviously been very good at doing this year. Even if he was uh, a bit off on opening night against New Orleans, uh, he's you know it's it's just hard to find too much to complain about right now, um, especially given the the reasonable expectation of him finding his way as as a number one option. He's been great and uh i I believe he was honorable mention uh for player of the week and he's on pace to you know be in that conversation again with one more game remaining this week yeah i think so i think uh it's going to be interesting to see him head to head with Giannis, and you know we can work through the mental we can work through the puzzle early of how the Raptors are going to integrate Giannis into the offense in 2021, uh, into Pascal's offense mm-hmm. in 2021, as John and OG OG will have taken a huge yes. step by then too. Is in the process of doing so. Yeah. yeah. Well, OG on the offense, awesome, more. Man. Yeah, he's been great. Anyway, I've John run Hollinger. into the problem of every game. I just want to write about OG so far. <laughs> That's a problem for multiple reasons. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, he's. You said Siakam is the most interesting guy, and I think that's true to the league at large. But, like, Ananobi becoming, like, a real, you know, there's a reason Masai Jiri wouldn't part with him in yes. Kawhi Leonard talk. Yes, he's the second uh, most interesting guy. <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah. really important. Both things are really important for the team. And I think if you there, just want to... There can be two good, two good players. And if, and if you want to, like, look in super broad strokes, both of them fulfilling their roles on this team really, really well to start the season... Uh, I would say OG's, you know, as as weird as it sounds, OG has been better in his role than Siakam has in his role just because of the defensive thing. Like, Siakam's defense hasn't been great, which, again, is understandable. But, like, we're, we're splitting hairs here. They've both been really good, and that's great. You know, big picture, that's great for the franchise. And if nothing else happens this year, and, you know, it ends up being sort of not as good of a year as the start indicates... If those two things remain consistent, it will have been a successful year. I would agree with that. Saturday, Giannis. Obviously, Raptors fans are quite familiar with the Milwaukee Bucks at this point. They played several times during the regular season every year. Uh, They had a playoff series 
in 2016 as Giannis was kind of in his Pascal season where he was first taking on this role of a superstar. Obviously, the Raptors saw them in the conference finals last year for six games uh, down 2-0, double overtime in game three and came all the way back to sweep that. Uh, the Bucks probably, along with the 76ers, the favorites in the Eastern Conference this year, uh, and a lot of pressure on them. Giannis Antetokounmpo is eligible to sign a Supermax this summer. Whether or not, you know, there are some comments that came out that, you know, Giannis seemed to express that maybe they were not taken, uh, they were not framed appropriately about his potential future in Milwaukee. Uh, but I don't think it's unfair to say that this is a high, high, high leverage season for the Bucks in terms of team outcome another that's another reason that pascal and og uh, becoming so good if they maintain this level of play is important because if you can knock the bucks out well then you know maybe it convinces Giannis that he needs to leave even more uh, as john hollinger of the athletic wrote about and reported this week lots of noise around the league that the raptors are keeping Giannis's 2021 free agency in mind with the moves that they make not much surprise there as I reported at Raptors Republic in January 2018, the Raptors have already signed Giannis in 2021. <laughs> that is done. Um, Breaking. That's obviously, that's, that's yeah, that's Blaking obviously news. not accurate. But there has been enough rumbling about this. There has been enough, you know, it's not just Raptor fans on Twitter joking about it. There is at least smoke there. Anyway, we're not going to talk about the 2021 future. But I am curious uh, to get your take on two things, Eric. The first is whether the Bucks. So last year in the playoffs, the Bucks did not put Giannis on Kawhi Leonard much. They prefer to keep Giannis in a lesser defensive role where he can uh, be kind of a terror and help at the rim, forcing turnovers, getting out in transition, and then also preserving him a little bit for offense. It's very similar to what the Raptors are doing with Siakam right now. Do they try Giannis on Siakam on Saturday? And then my part two for you would be uh do the on the other side the raptors eventually moved in that series to just put Kawhi on Giannis, uh and that helped move things along a lot do they just give og ananobi that treatment on saturday um i mean to answer the second question first it's a different situation a year ago because you know og is the best defender on this team right now uh you know certainly perimeter defender on this team uh not that he's only that and he's not a high usage of off offensive guy like Kawhi Leonard was. So I, I think he gets the lion's share of, of that matchup uh, saying that like Siakam's length, not that OG isn't long. And in, in fact, like what are their wingspans? Do you know? Often? They are like an inch apart. Okay. Um, Siakam maybe has, I don't know if Siakam's even longer. O OG has a seven, three wingspan. He's only an inch shorter and he's got like, I don't know, 15 pounds on Siakam? Yeah, I, I think OG sees the bulk of this matchup. Uh, you know, putting Siakam on Middleton uh, is sort of... I mean, they don't even have to do that. Uh, it could go different ways. Uh, the Raptors aren't scared of putting one of their point guards, of course, on uh, on somebody with more size, although I don't think that'd be the way they things would start. But yeah, I think OG gets the, the bulk of this matchup uh, in the half court. On the other end, um, and I think that's the smart thing to do, especially if OG avoids foul trouble, you just, you don't really want, as much as anything, you don't want Siakam picking up fouls in that matchup because that 
obviously really hurts what you're trying to do on the other end. Uh, and I, I believe that, yeah, Middleton will get at least the start of the Siakam uh, assignment and you have uh, Pascal or you have uh, Giannis on OG. Uh, as much as anything, if I'm right about the first thing, then you're not having these cross matches uh, back in transition. Uh, both ways, both teams, you know, like to get out in transition. Nick Nurse weirdly said he wasn't very happy with the team in transition so far, and I think they've looked really good. Uh, they've been <laughs> on, dynamite. On I think. I think his issue is probably with the frequency with which yeah. they're getting into transition. Their efficiency in transition, like last year, is just out yeah. of this world. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the way they'll usually line up, but. If lining up is matchup, I guess is the right word. Lineup is a thing you do in football more so. Um, but, you know, the great thing about having a bunch of versatile defenders is that you can switch and not feel like you're losing too much. Uh, so there will be, we'll see a bit of everything, but I, I would guess that Middleton gets the majority of the Siakam assignment and that uh, OG gets the majority of the Giannis assignment. Yeah, Chris Middleton, eh? Still a, still a thing. He's still good. Like he is good. It just uh, doesn't it uh, feel like there's been like between the Middleton DeRozan SI rankings the other year and two playoff series. Don't, doesn't it just feel like it's been a lot of Chris Middleton? There's a lot of Chris Middleton. He's not like it's, he's in the position of prominence because of his role on a very good team. Um, I would like a Chris Middle amount of Chris Middleton. I don't need this much Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the Bucks? Have you gotten a chance to check them out much so far? Like I haven't seen them at all in... this season, except for the Houston game, uh, in which they had a stirring comeback. Uh, I really wasn't a fan of them losing Brogdon. I thought, you know, they, I forget what they gave George Hill. Um, but, you know, if that's, if I'm Giannis, not to create a controversy out of this, and I, I do understand the importance of building, especially when you're in a market like Milwaukee, of building intelligently, and they had a bunch of guys coming toward free agency uh, this year. Sorry about Walter once again. Um, uh, like, they had to prioritize... Walter, Walter needs to get off his Sterling Brown should be in the rotation takes. <laughs> yeah. um, they, they had to prioritize, and... Malcolm Brogdon certainly got paid, but he, as we saw in that series and have seen over time, Brogdon was in a really good spot for himself and he was very important to that team. Uh, just his size at that position, his skill set at that position as like a secondary ball handler. Uh, I think he's sort of being exposed a bit in Indiana, playing without Victor Oladipo. Uh, obviously, the idea is for him to play with Victor Oladipo and he, he will look uh, better, but he was really important to what the Bucks were doing. Um, I get that Brooke Lopez, just his shooting and size, made him in their minds more essential. I, I just, in a playoff series, you wonder which guy 
will be more important. And if you're the Bucks, don't you sort of have to be viewing everything through that lens now, considering you're going to sleep yeah, to 50 plus wins? Like, no problem. Also, they know the answer. One-footed yeah. Brogdon was their second best player in that series. Yeah, I think he had one. I think his game four was really bad. But uh, in general, yeah, like he, you know, he hits open shots. Uh, he attacks closeouts really well. Uh, and I get it. Like, you know, Splash Mountain is fun and he fits in with the culture and he's happy to be there. And Brogdon wanted to get paid as a second round rookie. Um, but it's that on yourself. It's a problem. Uh, and it's still, you know, I, I think they will be an active team in the buyout market, but that you're not going to get somebody as good in, in that role as, as Brogdon was. And they're obviously hoping for, a bit of a West Matthews renaissance, but you don't want him creating, even as a secondary creator, I don't think that's where his game is at this point. Yeah, the buyout markets, uh, you know, you might end up with Jeremy Lin. NBA Canada, champion. I don't know if you can rely on that. The top buyout target on the entire market, Jeremy Lin. Uh, yeah, I think for, for anyone who hasn't caught the Bucks yet, they look very much like the Bucks. you know. Obviously, the Brogdon absence is noticeable. Uh, Wesley Matthews isn't shooting well yet, but he fits their ethos of everyone around Giannis, shoot any three you get. Uh, him and Brooke Lopez are both off to, and Eric Bledsoe, are all off to cold shooting starts. Uh, but the team as a whole has been fine. Their bench has been on fire from outside. Uh, having Ursan Ilyasova, Pat Connaughton, and Kyle Korver all in your second unit is uh, going to introduce some good spacing. I, I think there's a, there's a fun Giannis and bench potential unit there uh, with with three of those guys around him and maybe one one of the other starters or I, I guess I guess Rollo Rollo is, uh, is still hanging on the bench uh, but the Bucks have taken you know we talked a lot of people talked a lot about their offensive changes last year uh, it looks fairly similar this year despite a handful of their guys shooting poorly and despite missing Malcolm Brogdon they're 10th in offensive rating right now in part because of their field goal attempts have been from beyond the arc. 50%. Uh, That's a good way to, you know, assuming those are reasonably open shots being taken by reasonably effective shooters. It's a good way to score a lot of points in a hurry. Uh, Giannis is averaging eight assists a game. I I don't have the numbers in front of me. I would imagine a lot of those are on three-pointers for his teammates since he's not the one uh, hitting any of those himself. Uh, The matchup challenges are what you know and what you expect. It's a lot of Giannis... With a head of steam surrounded by shooters, it will be a very good challenge for the Raptors' defense. Once again, uh, that defense has been, for the most part, pretty good. This is, but, uh, you know, really they, they also team. haven't played, like, an elite, what we figure right. to be an elite offense yet. And this yeah. certainly qualifies as one. It sure does. So that'll be a lot of fun on Saturday. Uh, the Raptors then get a couple more days off and the Sacramento Kings visit. And then the Raptors are heading out west. And Eric Green is heading out west. Uh are you looking forward to that trip, Eric? Um, I am. Uh, I've never been to Staples Center to see a game. Uh, I should correct myself, by the way. The Pelicans are actually ranked six in offense right now. Um, and I imagine 30th in defense. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I love the West Coast. Uh, I have never covered a game at Staples Center, as I, as I mentioned. Uh, and, you know, the back-to-back with no travel is something I've, never done on the road so i mean obviously you can only do it in one of two places uh so that will be exciting for me um where else new orleans great stop portland great stop on the road 
and uh, I'm not going to Dallas. So, I, I mean, as much as I'd love to see Luca and the best player in the world, uh, I don't really envy that trip. Anybody doing, I mean, the Raptors certainly, who are to review the trip is New Orleans, LA, LA, Portland, Dallas. Schedule make there. There's some people with the Raptors who, you know, by after that Portland game are going to realize they're not very happy with the schedule makers. Uh, yeah, that is, a, that is a, cruel. Like uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm loath to criticize the schedule makers because of the number of factors they have to, to work in. And, you know, you presume that if they could have got the new Orleans and Dallas games next to each other, they would have done that. Or if there were a smarter place to put the Dallas game, they would have done that. Um, but while well, considering 30 teams and uh, 29 arenas, it's, you know, there are a lot of variables going on. Uh, I am looking forward to it. It'll be a good test of where the Raptors are. I, I mean, I think they'll be favored in one of those five games. Uh, and, you know, they'll probably be going into that, you know, I was assuming they split the next two games, which is what, I think what you would predict, they'll be going into it. Uh, Don't tell five, me what I would predict. What one would predict. They'd be five and two. Uh, so we'll learn a lot more about them on that trip. But we also should learn a lot more on uh, Saturday. Yeah, that'll be really fun. I'm looking forward to Saturday. Um, you have a very important birthday in your life. So. Yes. I got you covered for Saturday. Eric, any other thoughts before we let the people go and reconvene next week? Yeah, a little beat writer minutia. And it's not really minutia. Sure. It's actually a big deal for me. Um, I conducted an interview yesterday um, with the general manager in the league, uh, or a top decision maker, I should say. And it's very good that it didn't happen today because the for a story I'm working on, because it was... Uh, Gerson Rosas of Minnesota. And I think if we had waited until today, that might have not happened. So that these are the these are the breaks you have in NBA beat writer life. Like if if we had planned it for today, which I had pitched, I was, I was like, I was I'm available on Thursday too, if that works better. Uh, but no, thanks to the Minnesota Timberwolves PR staff for making it happen as soon as they could. And uh yeah, I think Gerson might be otherwise engaged today. Yeah, he's Thursday, uh, he's I should busy. say. Yeah, Gerson Rosas uh, is busy telling people that Ben Simmons' chokehold was not an act of peacemaking. Peacemaker chokehold. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Just trying to. He was just trying to tap him out to, or not to like uh, put him under just to end the fight. That's a type of peacemaking. Sure. All right, guys, we will uh, talk to you sometime next week. Not a lot of new games to talk about by then. So uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll have a guest. Maybe we'll talk about something different for a change. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Eric, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. Thanks, Blake. See ya. See ya.